0: Pray with me, Father, we come today to talk about the supernatural, how you change us from the inside out, and as our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed, I, I bet we could all remember moments like that in our life. Maybe it's not exactly Brad's story, Kelly's story, but, but what's your story? That day, that moment where your head was in your hands, what have I done? What? The regret. One of the things I believe is one of the most painful things in life is the pain of regret. And yet here's a God who comes after us, a God who wants to restore us and heal us bring our heads out of our hands and to change us from the inside out. our heads are bowed, just just listen to this from the book of James, where James writes, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve. And mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So heads are bowed. Where are you today? Where do you need healing? We'll be talking today about the supernatural. God, we pray you'd come and meet us now in this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, it's a heavy story, isn't it? It's hard to transition. It's hard to move from, from there to where we're going today. But, uh, but I'd ask you to try. Can we do this together? Can we, can we move on? Um, we're, we're in the midst of a series right now. It's called the, the Movement at Rocky Peak. And for those of you who are brand new, and every week we have people who are brand new, so I'd like to stop and kind of bring you up to speed. It's called The Movement Rocky Peak. It's, a, it's a, a series about our vision, our values, the strategies we believe God's giving us to draw us into our future. And if you've been here, every week we start off by just kind of reviewing quickly uh, the vision God's given us. It's there in your note sheet that we believe God's calling us to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. We're doing four things. The number one, we're pursuing God. We want to know God, love God, experience God, hear his voice, follow him. Number one, priority in life, please him. Number two, we want to love people in the radical ways in which Jesus has loved us. Number three, we want to serve sacrificially. That We believe God's called us and gifted us to make a difference in this world, both inside the movement and outside the movement. Uh, And then finally, to share Christ. That we believe that when we become a follower of Jesus, we become a part of this movement. And each of us has a responsibility to help advance the movement in the place where he's he's put us. And so, and then in the next uh, six weeks, if you turn the page, we've talked about these values that God's written on our heart as a church. And every week we've spent one week on each of the values, six weeks, six values. And so you see there, the first value is the word. Uh, embracing the truth. We want to be a a church that's knee-deep in the Word. We believe the Word is the path to life. It's the source of truth. It's the key to our growth. And so we want to embrace the Word. Number two, that our second value is authenticity, living honestly. We want to be a church that's learning how to live honestly before God and one another, real life, real relationship, change from the inside out, sharing our stories, growing together. Number three, uh, the value of relevance That we believe that the message of Jesus is the most important message in all the world, but we need to, in every generation, share it in a way that can kind of relates to the culture, overcomes some of the, the obstacles and stereotypes that often keep people from coming. Number four is transformation, becoming like Christ. That we believe the whole purpose of following Jesus is to become like Jesus And that starts by just obeying what he's showing us today. If we'll obey what he shows us today, he'll show us more tomorrow, and the process goes on. We talked next week about worship, responding to God, that God's called us to a relationship with himself that's real, it's powerful, it's alive, and that as we experience him in a firsthand way, the natural result is a life of worship, not only with our lips, but with our lives. And then if you were here last week, we talked about relationships, doing life together, That uh, we believe that in this journey of becoming like Jesus, it's impossible to become like Jesus on ourselves, by ourselves. We need one another. I need your love. You need my support. I need your challenge. You need my encouragement. We're in this thing together to learn how to love one another, how to take care of one another, how to grow together, and how to do relationships a whole new way. Now, today we come to our last core value. Uh, in this part of this series, and it's called the Supernatural Experiencing God. And so if I had to put it in a nutshell, I'd put it like this, that we believe that this relationship with God that we have, this journey that we're on, it's a supernatural journey from beginning to end. Now, this flows out of the life and teaching of Jesus, just like every one of these core values. One of the things that Jesus said, you might remember this, he had a very famous conversation with a spiritual leader named Nicodemus. And one of the things he said is that uh, to be a part of my kingdom, if you want to enter my kingdom, you want to be a part of my movement, you have to be born again. That there's a supernatural change that has to happen. The apostle Paul in the New Testament described the movement of Jesus like this. It's there in your note sheet. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. A supernatural, this movement of Jesus, not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power from beginning to end. And so today we want to talk about what does it look like to live a supernatural life? What does it look like to be a supernatural movement, a supernatural church? And I want to focus on three specifics that come up in the New Testament over and over again. You see them throughout. So you have there in your note sheet a section called the supernatural, three specifics. And so we're going to focus on these three specific areas. Obviously, there's more than this, but we're just going to focus on these three specifics, okay? So number one, the first area where you see the supernatural showing up over and over again is in the area that I'd call, it's kind of a big, broad-brushed, generic area, but let's give it the name spiritual growth, okay? That this, this area of spiritual growth, of becoming like Jesus Now, one of the things that we often teach here is what I mentioned earlier, that the whole purpose of following Jesus is to become like Jesus. What would Jesus do if he were in my shoes? The character, the attitudes, responses, the emotions, the, the actions, and so on, of Jesus, what would that look like to become like him? But one of the things that we believe here is that it's impossible to become like Jesus on our own, that, that it's, this is a supernatural process from beginning to end. And, and you see this uh, throughout the New Testament, um, and to get at it, I want us to look at a couple passages in the little book of Philippians today, okay? So if you take your Bible and turn to Philippians, New Testament, uh, real small little book, Philippians chapter 1. For some of you, if you've been a Christ follower a while, you'll probably recognize this verse. Um, but it's, to me, one of the most powerful verses on transformation and change in the New Testament. It's 1-6. You all there? Yeah, okay, good. Are you awake? That's the more important question. Good. Okay, good. All right. Number six. Uh, being confident of this. So Paul says it, this is a fairly mature uh, group of Christians in Philippi. And he says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, okay, he says, Someone began a good work in you. Now, who's he talking about here? Let's try it again. Who's he talking about here? God. God, okay. I want you to catch this Neon Lights. He says that God began a good work in you. Are you clear on this? He says that when someone comes to Jesus, this is not a natural thing, that this is a supernatural thing. First person, that God begins this good work. Are we clear on that? Okay. Uh, last weekend, we had a welcome dessert at my house. You know, once a month, we have these desserts for uh, new people coming to the church. And one of the questions we always ask them is, why did you first come to Rocky Peak? How did you get here the first time? And why did you come back? And it's always fun to hear the answers. And, and this particular night, pretty much everyone here at this particular welcome dessert was a, a, a within, if you go back six months ago, they were an unchurched person. Much every person there. Uh, I think it was one exception. Um, And so every person there was kind of uh, uh, unchurched uh, that you go back six months ago, they were not Christ followers, they were not interested in Jesus. Some of them were antagonistic towards Jesus, antagonistic towards Christianity, any organized religion. So you go back six months. In most cases, if you go back three months, in many cases, if you go back one month. All right, getting in the picture. So we're going around and sharing the story. How did you come to Rocky Peak? And they begin telling these amazing stories, supernatural stories, of how God has been after them, how God's waking them up, how God's drawing them on. They can't believe it. They're shocked that they're sitting in my living room. They can't believe it that it's happening to them. But their life has changed. Some of them have already decided to become Christ followers. Some of them are just checking Jesus out. But they all have these stories, and it's so clearly Supernatural. Like You listen to these stories, I just shake my head afterwards. I look at my wife and I, I cannot believe what God's doing here. It's just it's amazing. And, and you know, that's the way it typically is, is that when someone first comes to Jesus, they're often the most surprised person in the room, right? <laughs> Some of you remember, I can't believe that this is happening to me. You know, it's like, it's just so clearly and obviously supernatural, right? And that's how we start the, the journey. But here's the interesting thing. The longer that we walk with Jesus, that many times we start taking responsibility for our own growth. Have you seen this happen? You first come to Jesus, you're trusting him because you don't know what else to do. You know it's not about your willpower. You know it's not about your self-effort. You know it's not because you're so brilliant. It's just God's doing something. You're just kind of following where he's leading. But now we've been a Christian two years, three years, five years, 15 years, 35 years, 105 years, whatever. Whatever. And and now it's kind of like we've kind of fallen into this trap of thinking like, hey, I'm on my own here. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I, I need to share. I need to share my faith. I need to, to I need to to uh, serve. I need to give. I need to do all these things. And all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you're just kind of overwhelmed with being a Christian. Have you ever been there? It's like, man, this was so cool when it started. It was amazing. But now I'm exhausted. You know, when you first came to Jesus, he said, come to me. All you are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And you're like, man, that's my story. And now you're like, I don't know what happened, but I came to Jesus. I'm exhausted. You see what I'm saying? And what's happened is that we have uh, kind of slowly and subtly over time, we've taken responsibility for our own growth as if it's up to us. Our willpower, our energy, our self-effort, we're going to make ourselves grow. And we've transferred responsibility from God being the one who's primarily responsible to the one we're primarily responsible. So let's go back to this verse and see what it says. 1-6. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you, so who begins the good work? God. Very good. Thanks for being awake. Okay. That he will carry it on to completion. Catch that. Who will carry it on? God. Okay, so who starts it? Who carries it on? That sounds supernatural. Does that sound supernatural to you? He begins it. He carries it on. Well, how long? How long? Does he just carry it on until he gets tired of us? He has carried it on until, okay, you're pretty mature now. You're on your own. Well, no, he says he carries it on till what? Completion defined by, look at the next verse, until the day of whom? Christ Jesus. Until Jesus comes back. So what Paul says is that I'm confident that He who started this process of you of becoming like Jesus is going to continue this process of making you like Jesus until it's completed, defined by when Jesus comes back. You see? So are you with me on this? This process is supernatural from beginning to end. Now, if you go to chapter two, just turn over a page, at least in my Bible. Chapter two, He talks more about this process. In verse 12, he says, therefore, my dear friends. Now, Paul had started this church. He's now no longer with them. He's in prison in Rome writing this letter. So he says, therefore, my dear friends, they're very close, as you've always obeyed. This is a church that's over their history. has been very obedient. They're part of the movement of Jesus. They're pursuing God. They're loving people. They're sharing Christ. They're serving. I mean, this is, they, they they got it nailed. And so he says, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, in other words, when I was there, But now, much more in my absence, I'm in prison, I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, can you underline something for me? Can you underline that phrase, work out your salvation? I want you to catch this. You say, well, Mike, if God's in charge of this whole spiritual growth adventure starting to end, he works in, are you saying there's no responsibility for us? Well, no, not at all. Paul says here very clearly, we're to work out our salvation. Now, catch this. In the New Testament, salvation is always seen as a process. It's both past, it's present, and it's future. So the Bible will say that we were saved when we first came to Christ. There's passages that will say we are being saved right now as we're being transformed to be more like Jesus. And then there's passages that say that we will be saved when he comes back. Okay, so it's, it's past, it's present, and future. And so Paul says you're in the midst of this salvation process, transformation process, and, and I want you to work out your salvation and do it with fear and trembling. Why? Because this is serious business. This, this whole transformation is serious. Take it seriously. Okay? But now he's going to go on and say why we're to work out our salvation. And let's look at what he says next, verse 13. For it is God who works in you. You catch this? What do we learn in Philippians 1.6? God starts the work. He continues the work until completion. Now he's going to talk. He says, God's at work in you. If you're a Christ follower sitting in here today, God's at work, active in your life. Here, now, this week, this time, he's at work in your life. And what's he doing? He says, well, he's doing two things. It's God who's at work in you to will and to act. Two things he's, at, he's working at in your life, to will, to put his will, his desires into you. See, this is how God does the change process. When there's an area of your life he wants to change, he begins to create a hunger and a desire for you to change in that area. That's step one. That's what happens. See, that's how, that's how growth happens. God, when God wants to change you, he begins to create a sense of, oh, I need to change you. There's a, a new desire. He begins to put his will for change in our life. And then secondly, he's working to act. That now he begins to give us the power to act on this. You see? So he gives us the desire and the power to act. See, this is how it works. Now look what he says next. According to his good purpose. So God has a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. It's good. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And God's always at work, working inside of you to change your desires, what you want, your will, and to give you the power to act. So let's put this together, verse 12 and 13. What Paul is saying is, I want you to work out your salvation. Why? Because God is working in your salvation. See, I want you to work out what God is working in. God's working inside of you. He's creating new desires. He's creating new things. He's directing you. I want you to respond to what God's doing in your life. So here's what I want you here's my way of putting it. God is calling us to cooperate, not to initiate. Okay? Catch this. He's calling us to cooperate, not to initiate. God is not saying you take charge of your life, you figure it out, you make it happen. He says, no, I'm at work in your life to change your desires and to give you the power to act. Now I want you to cooperate and I want you to work out what I'm working in. Does this make sense? Okay, now this is powerful stuff because once we get this, it leads to a new freedom in our walk with Christ. It allows the responsibility for our growth to be where it belongs all along, back on God. God is leading, God is guiding, God's changing. Our job is not to create, our job is to respond, you see? What is God doing and how do we follow? And as he leads, I will follow and I am changed in the process, right? So so here's number 1 is it at the heart of what it means to be a Christ follower becoming like Jesus spiritual growth at the heart of it it is a supernatural process led by God's spirit from beginning to end and when we get that man there's freedom because all of a sudden I become God's problem Are you with me? See, otherwise, if you think that your primary responsibility to change is upon you, as you sit here, every time I teach another area of life you need to grow, you have a bigger to-do list, right? Every time you come to church, every time you read your Bible, you find out some other area you're messed up that you've got to fix. And if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you're going to get overwhelmed, right? Just one more area I messed up. But now, once I see I'm God's responsibility, it's like I'm excited to see where I messed up because it just means one more thing that he's going to fix. You see? Yes, I'm a mess, but isn't that awesome that I'm your mess? You see? You see the difference? And it brings a freedom now that I'm no longer afraid to uncover what's wrong with me. I'm excited to uncover what's wrong with me because I can say, God, look how screwed up I am. Could you help me with this? You see? And so now the responsibility, and there's a freedom and, a, and a, a joy that comes back into life. It's just like when we first started following Jesus. You see? We put the responsibility back where it belongs. You see? The second thing that happens when we realize this is the power comes back into our life. When, you're, when you are a new believer, God's just changing you. You're not even smart enough to know you needed it. Right? <laughs> And so the power is flowing. But it's funny, the longer we walk with Jesus, sometimes we're not changing anymore. There's no power anymore. Why? Because we stopped trusting him, we started trusting ourselves. And so God says, okay, as long as you think you've got it covered, I'll let you do it. You've all had a two-year-old. I can do it myself. (laughs) Great. What do you do? You wait till they can't do it themselves. And then you go, okay, I'll help you. Because you know to try to help them when they don't think they need help does not go real well. You know? And so, and so as we come to, like, man, we get frustrated. I can't change this. Like, we learn to trust. God says, great, let me move in. And the power returns to our life. Does, does this, are you with me in this? Yeah. This is powerful stuff. Our Christian transformation process is, is, a, is a joint project with God. He calls us to cooperate, not to initiate. And as we learn to trust Him, power is released in our life. Okay, number two. The second area, and again, hard to put a handle on this, so I'm just going to call it God's voice. We just call it that God's voice. Uh, The second mark of the supernatural is that God calls us to a relationship that is alive, it's real, um, and and, and so God is going to be interacting with us. He calls us to a very interactive relationship. And and there's something that happens in our life when we begin to experience God communicating with us personally, uh, that our relationship with him goes to a whole new level. And so as a church, we believe that God is alive, he's well, he wants to speak into our life, he wants to communicate with us, he wants to direct us, guide us, move us, show us things, teach us personally. And when that happens, our relationship goes to a new level. Um, Stop and think with me for a second. Uh, One of the marks of a personal relationship is what I call two-way communication, right? Like we talk in Christian circles all the time that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our phrase, right? And so like if you're, if you're sharing Christ with someone and you're talking about your relationship with Jesus and they say, hey, but I'm not really interested because I'm, I'm not really religious, we get kind of irritated, right? We go, oh, this isn't about religion. This is about relationship. And we're dead on. Absolutely right. But if you stop and think about it, one of the marks of a relationship is communication, two-way communication. Like, for example, let's, let's say that I were to tell you that, and share with you that, that I am a close personal friend of the President of the United States right now, President Obama. And I would share with you that, that every week that I, I email him at least two or three times a week, long, like long emails, just to give him some advice um, from a biblical perspective on running the nation. Right? Every week I spend like two or three hours on this. That every week I kind of look at the policies coming up, And then I I I compose very carefully crafted. I know he's busy, very carefully crafted. You know, email, and I I share this with him every week. And and so we're very. I tell you, you know, we're very close. You're like really? That's awesome. Well, can you tell me some like president stories or like like when you email him, like what does he say? Do you have any? Oh, he's never answered me back. (laughs) But we're very close. We're very close. I just know he's busy, doesn't have time, and so on, but I, I know, I can tell that's influencing his direction. Here, we're very close. You'd be looking at me like, man, we need to find a new pastor, right? <laughs> this, this guy's gone off the deep end, right? Why? Because it's a mark of personal relationship to have two way communication. And if I tell you I'm very close with the president, I'm very specific about advice and needs, but he's not answering back. You don't have a relationship, Mike, you're crazy. You don't have a relationship until he answers you back. You're exactly right. But that's the same with God. You see, many times we talk about a personal relationship. Well, He personal. yeah, I pray all the time. I give him advice on the universe, you know. Uh, I ask him questions. I, I give him, uh, I'm I very specific about the needs in my life that I, I need, you know, part of this bailout in my life. I, I just need this thing, you know, for him. And so I'm very specific in prayer. I'd say to you, well, you don't have a personal relationship. Like, what does God say back? Oh, he never answers back. I said, well, then you don't have a personal relationship. You're fooling yourself. See, are you with me in this? And and yet, here's the thing. As you look to the New Testament, the picture of a follower of Jesus' life that we're given is very much two-way communication. Now, it's not always like straight verbal communication. You know, like God's going you know, to call you on the cell phone type thing. We'll talk more later about what that looks like. But it's very clear that God calls us to a, an interactive relationship where God's speaking, directing, guiding, moving. Like, for example, the last night that Jesus was with his followers, he was in the uh, upper room. They They do dinner. And he has this long conversation, and he tells them that he's going to be leaving. And they're very bummed out, as you can imagine. And he says, hey, don't worry about it, because if I go, I'm going to send you another counselor. Okay? I'm going to send you, like I'm leaving, I'm going to send a replacement Jesus to be with you, to kind of be your guide and counsel and to teach you and so on. And he's going to, he's going to, he's going to teach you, he's going to instruct you, he's going to lead you into all truth, he'll show you the ropes. And so I'm going, but I'm not leaving you as orphans, I'm sending a replacement. In fact, there in your note sheet, I put a a couple uh, verses from that conversation, John 14 and John 16, where he says, "Um, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Now, underline that, another counselor. So, who's the first counselor? Jesus, Jesus, right? And so, he's leaving, so he's sitting like a replacement counselor, and he will be with you for how long? Forever. Forever. So, this new counselor is going to be with us forever. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be where? In you, okay? So he's going to be with us 24-7. He's going to actually live inside of us, closer to us than we are to ourselves. Now he says, the counselor, that's his name. Uh, The word in Greek is a little hard to translate it. Counselor, mentor, life coach, uh, teacher, whatever. Uh, This counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. That's his job. He's going to be be teaching you, and he's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. So I'm going to take things that Jesus has taught them in the last three years. He's going to bring them back to mind at the right time, give them understanding, like, oh, I get it, Jesus. Um, And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into what? All truth. truth. Okay, so are are you with me on this? This is the normative expectation for a Christ follower. Are you with me? Normal expectation that when you become a Christ follower, the counselor comes into your life to lead, to guide, to empower, to direct. See, that's normative. Now, you say, well, how does he speak? Uh, I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit often speaks to us in a variety of ways. Sometimes we recognize it, some we don't. Let let, let me give you some examples. Some of these you've experienced, some maybe not. But um, I think one of the ways that God speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks, is he speaks through his word, doesn't he? And that's probably the most consistent. He's given us a supernatural book, and he speaks to us through his word. He teaches us stuff. But, but when I say that, what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit comes into this book, and as we're reading it, he makes it come alive. He makes it make sense. You've probably all had times in your life when you've read the Bible and it makes no sense. Before you came to Christ, you might have tried to read the Bible and it made no sense. But but now there's times in your life when you're reading it and it just makes sense. You like you're getting it. You sense God teaching you, instructing you, opening your eyes. Right. Sometimes this happens when someone's teaching publicly. Like like if I'm up here teaching, have you ever had that time in your life whether it's me or Dave or Joel teaching or whatever, where all of a sudden you feel like God is just speaking directly to you through what He's saying? Have you ever had that experience? You kind of like I'm not sure why everyone else is here listening in on my message today. But since it's church, I've got—I can't ask him to leave, you know. But this is clearly just for me. Now, what's happening? It's not because the pastor is so brilliant, though I wish that were the case. What's happening is that the Holy Spirit is taking a particular truth of God's word and He's unfolding it personally and saying, "This is what this means for you," and it's, it's a God moment. And you know it. Uh, sometimes this can happen when we're reading on our own. Sometimes it can happen even more dramatic fashion. You're, you've been praying about something, or maybe you're not even minding, you're minding your own business. But you're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden a verse just almost comes off the page. It speaks with power. And it's just, it's for you. And it might be speaking a word of warning, a word of encouragement, a word of promise, but something there for you. It's like, man, almost highlighted, it's for you. Sometimes it happens during worship. We're in the midst of worship, and God just comes. You know that song we sing, uh, Chains Be Broken, Lives Be Healed, uh, Eyes Are Open, Christ is Revealed, and sometimes right in the middle of worship, and God just shows up, and you've been worried about that son or daughter, and God just says, it's going to be okay, or, or God, I know my marriage, and it clicks, and you know what to do all of a sudden. Or there's a hurt and God just says and heals that. or just Whatever, God just shows up in the midst of worship. Sometimes it happens through wise counsel. You're talking with a friend, and what do you think I should do? And they share something, and it's suddenly not the words of a person. It's the words of God. It's like, boom. It's like, that's uh, for me. Sometimes it happens uh, uh, in aha moments, I call them. Uh, you know, this is one of the ways God speaks to me the very most. is. Um, in de- I call them downloads, spiritual downloads. You know how when you, you download a file on your computer, it's just like you download it. It's so awesome. You download it, and all of a sudden, boom, here, all this information, just boom. You open up, boom, it's there. And, and the way God speaks to me is usually not in words. It's usually in downloads. Like I've been praying about something, a certain, certain situation, and boom, it just comes. It might be two weeks later, I'm in the bathroom, I'm driving along, whatever. I'm minding my own business, and boom, it comes, and it's just boom, there it is. And it's like I see it, I can articulate it, I can explain it. This is what God said. It's not like in words, but it's just like it's, it's mind-to-mind communication or something. It's just boom. Um, sometimes it happens uh, in dreams. It can happen in visions. It can happen in a variety of ways where God speaks. For some people in the body of Christ, I don't experience this personally, but but some people in the body of Christ, uh, they will be got to be very specific, like a word or a phrase that comes to them. And uh, they can tell you, it's like, Hey, did he say this? No, you missed the third word in, you know, and it's usually not audible, but it's very, uh, it's internal, like internal communication, mind-to-mind sort of stuff, very powerful. Now, you say, well, Mike, uh, is it possible to get this wrong, you know, to think we've heard from God? We have it. Oh, absolutely. And, And we need to grow in this like any area of our Christian life. And, of course, the most important thing, obviously, is we need to compare what we think God's saying with the word, right? Because we know God's not going to contradict His word. And so if someone if you feel God's showing it well, it should be in a line with that. So yes, we need to do all this stuff. But here's the thing, when, when God begins to speak in this way, our relationship goes to a whole new level. because the God of the universe is now communicating with me in a personal way. It's like President Obama picked up the phone and said, "Hey Mike, I got your email." And that and now we've got a real relationship, you see? But until that happens, I'm just shooting off my things. I might be very specific in prayer. I might be doing this stuff. But, but if I'm not sensing God leading, moving, teaching, showing, opening my eyes, there's no sense of real relationship, you see? So that's the second area, God's voice. Now, the third area where God, uh, the New Testament talks a lot about the supernatural is in the area I'm going to call them signs and wonders, okay? And this is sort of the New Testament word for miracles, For example, there in your note sheet in Acts chapter two, this is a passage we looked at last week—a snapshot of the early church. It says everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs. See, signs and wonders were done by the apostles. In Acts four, the church is praying that God would do miracles. It says, "God, would you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs, miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus?" And so. One of the marks of the movement of Jesus has always been throughout history, signs and wonders, miracles. And uh, this is still the case today. You know, I had lunch about, uh, I don't know, six weeks ago or so. Brian Moorhead and I had lunch with... uh, kind of this pastor from Ethiopia, and he's sort of a, a pastor of pastors over there. He's a, a key leader. He's planted over 100 churches. He's probably about 60 years old. He's an amazing guy, tremendous character, and, uh, and he's our key link over there. Like, we're, we're exploring more and more partnering with Ethiopia and our global ministries, and, and so he's our key guy over there um, that we partner with. And so we were having lunch with him to discuss perhaps partnering more in the future and possible options. And at the end of lunch, I decided to ask him some question about the supernatural because I know he comes from the third world. And, and here's what I found is that around the world, the that, that, that third world Christians tend to see more supernatural things than we see in our Western world here. And I think there's a variety of reasons. One is they're more open to it because they come from a background of, uh, where the supernatural is very... Uh, Prevalent, and so they're more open to trusting God for that. But secondly, often the message of Jesus is going into new areas where it's never gone. And one of the ways God authenticates that is with the supernatural. And so I'm with this guy, pastor of pastors, very reputable guy that we've been working with now for years. And so his name is Joseph. And I said, said, Joseph, hey, could you tell me, uh, you know, are you seeing God work over there in supernatural ways? I'd love just to hear what he's doing. And he says. Well, yeah, and he tells me this story. It's an amazing story that happened recently where he was... um he was going to this particular village to share Christ, never been there before, didn't know the people. He pulls up, and he's he's in town not very long, and all of a sudden he starts hearing all this yelling and screaming and commotion coming from the center of town. And so he goes out of the building, he goes out, and it's all coming in this one particular building. It turns out it's kind of like the worship center for the local uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, witchcraft uh, kind of guy. Um, and so... Uh, Anyway, so he goes to see what's happening, and when he goes in there, uh, here's this uh, kind of this witchcraft sort of guy doing his thing, and he's prophesying. He's kind of in a trance, and he's he's sort of prophesying, and and he's he's calling out basically curses on the people, And, and the people are all on their face worshiping him. And so he's calling out and he's saying things like, if you, if you make this change in your house, this is what's going to happen to you. If, you. if you stop eating this kind of food, uh, you're going to die. And he's calling out these curses and kind of warnings of power. And so they're all worshiping him. You kind of get the, get the picture. And so now Yosef comes in, and of course he's a Christ follower, so he's not bowing down to this guy. And so he's just standing there. And, and so all of a sudden this, this guy comes out of this trance, and, and he looks at Yosef. And he begins to speak to him, and he knows all these things about Joseph that there's no human way that he could know. He says, "I, I know who you are. I know why you've come. You planted a church in this particular town recently, didn't you? Yes, I did. And and you uh, you built a building there, a building there, and that yes, di- didn't you? Yes, I did." And and you've just come here and arrived in our town. Yes, I have. And you came on this particular road, didn't you? Yes, I did. And you crossed over this particular bridge. Yes, I did. And you've come to this town to share the message of Jesus with these people, haven't you? Yes, I have. He said, well, if I'm right on all of those issues, then I promise you that within a year, you are going to die, and that church that you just built is going to collapse, And these people here are all going to still be worshiping me. And Yosef looked at him and he said, He felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon him. And he said, Are you finished? He said, Here is what I tell you in the name of the Lord is going to happen. Within a year, you are going to be dead. This worship center will gonna be torn down and all these people are gonna be worshiping Jesus. And one year later it all came to pass, as he said, and the gospel of Jesus, Amen. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing: these kinds of stories are very common in the third world today. We often don't hear them as much here, but they're very, very common. You talk to missionaries, whatever the, the miraculous, very common. But you know they're happening here too. They're happening here, uh, even in our own church. Oh, let me just share with you a couple stories real quick. Um, there was uh, back at the beginning of this series, uh, the movement. Back in February, if you were here, you remember we started it off with the 24 hours of prayer. We came together on a Wednesday night. We did a special uh, kind of prayer and worship meeting. We called it the 25th Hour. And if you were here, the place was packed. It was unbelievable. The power of God was here in a way that I would not experienced it uh, at Rocky Peak in my four years here. And it was just a very powerful night. And at the end of that night... Uh, I got up and just sharing what God was putting on my heart that, hey, men and women, this is not the end. This is the beginning. What we've experienced here tonight is just the beginning. I see a day when our church will be packed, and we will experience more power and more presence of God than this night. We'll be experiencing that every weekend at our weekend services. This is coming, and I'm telling you, and I just began to speak into that situation. Well, uh, two days later, I get an email from this lady. She's a very credible lady, very uh, kind of stable, uh, you know, kind of person. We know her here in the church, and and uh, and so she sends me this email, and she says, "I didn't want to send you this email because um, I just didn't want to do it, but but my my life group leader and my husband say I've got to tell you what happened to me, and so um, so very stable, but always been kind of skeptical of the supernatural, you know, that, that kind of wiring, and so here's her email that she sends to me." Uh, from that Friday, and she says, uh, Dear Pastor Mike, where to start? At the encouragement of my husband and my life group leader, I feel compelled to share with you something that I experienced this morning. Okay, here it goes. Just a little background. I've always been somewhat conservative in my comfort level with things I consider to be supernatural. I suppose that comes from uh, seeing some of the crooked and false teachers on TV. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, we're all there. Uh, I admit that I can be very skeptical regarding those kinds of things. Uh, If I'm going to be completely honest, I even hesitated when at the prayer service, you said that you'd, quote, seen how our church will be blessed. But I vowed to remain open to it because I felt God's powerful presence in our church, especially more recently. So when uh, when when I had what I believed to be a vision this morning, I was taken back. I don't know how much, I don't know much about this type of thing or how to discern what happened, so I guess I'll just share it with you. Just like every other weekday morning, I was driving to work, listening to and singing worship music. I was just feeling pretty mellow, enjoying time with God. And then something that's never happened to me before, but it happened. God hit me with what I guess was a vision. It was so powerful. It wasn't a daydream or something that I was praying for or hoping for it came out of the blue, and it was like I almost felt it physically. It was so powerful. I saw our church from an aerial view. I could see it as if there were no roof to block my view. Inside, people were worshiping all in unison, all moving together like the waves in the ocean and how they move the fish and the plant life, or like a giant flame moving back and forth. I couldn't see any one person as they all blended together. The power was building inside the church. And I could sense that people outside the church were curious and wanted some of what was happening on the inside. And then it was over, as quick as it came. I've never experienced anything quite like it. I don't have the words to adequately describe how it felt. Maybe I'm making a bigger deal of it than it really is. I don't think so. (laughs) Maybe God's just confirming what you said and challenging me to my next level of my faith journey. In either case, I did want to share it with you because God allowed me to experience it for a reason, even if I don't know what it is. As I thought about that, you know, it's like, so why did God do that in her life? Why this vision? It could be to expand her faith. It could be to affirm what I was projecting for the future. But I'll tell you what I I truly believe, that usually when God gives us a vision like this, What's happening is he's showing us his vision of this preferred future. And what it is, it's a call to prayer that we would begin to partner with him to pray that into reality. Are you with me on this? See, this is prayer at its best. Prayer at its best is where God shows us what he wants to do. And then we begin to partner with him in prayer to make that a reality. You see? Let me tell you a second story. Uh, Earlier this month, actually it was the beginning of March, I forget we're in April, but uh, earlier uh, I got an email from a lady, a lady that's uh, relative, she's been at Rocky Peak less than a year, Uh, I remember meeting her at a welcome dessert, Uh, again, really solid uh, person, but uh, uh, she says, Dear Mike, where to to start? That's the other one. Pastor Mike, (laughs) Uh, I have to share with you a bit of this testimony. Since coming to Rocky Peak, I've been attending Celebrate Recovery. We were studying earlier this month a lesson on denial and admitting to God or at least one other person whatever the problem is we're struggling with. Um, At the meeting, I met with a lady who admitted some things to me, not very atrocious-seeming, but still difficult for her to put into words. And as I was praying for her, I realized there was something I needed to admit to at least one person and to God. I've struggled with suicidal thoughts and ideations for 31 years. I first identified this problem when I was 19. I was admitted to a, quote, nuthouse facility at least twice for severe depression and suicidal tendencies. When my sister died in 2007 and she committed suicide, the thoughts and the oppression escalated. Since that time, I have not been able to shake the depression fog for more than a few days at a time. I'm constantly barraged with thoughts and constantly battle those thoughts. And the battle rages on. That night, I decided I needed to confess this. So I knew that due to the sensitivity of this, that my sponsor would have to go to the ministry leader. So I called the ministry leader my sponsor with every intention of, of sharing it with both of them. As it turned out, there was not a good time for the three of us to meet. So I ended up talking to the ministry leader first. She asked all the appropriate questions and gave me some practical advice for battle and then prayed for me. The next day, I I did the same with my sponsor, and the scene repeated. The next morning when I woke up, praise God, all those thoughts are capital letters, gone. Capital letters, gone. I wish I could express how wonderful this is for me. I can think clearly I can finish a sentence. I feel good. The fog of depression is lifted. Jesus set me free. Thought you would like to know this. <laughs> Isn't that awesome. You're right. I want to know that. I want to know exactly I want to know every detail about that story. Right? Hey, so so a third mark of the supernatural is wherever the movement of Jesus is gone, there has always been the supernatural. There's always been signs and wonders. Now, how much, how, how often, well, that's up to God. That's not up to us. That's a sign of the supernatural. Now, as we begin to wrap this thing up, I want to ask you three questions, just to do some self-evaluations we've done every week. Where do you stand with the movement? Number one. Number one, who are you trusting for your growth We've talked today about how growth happens, about how our growth happens through God being primary responsibility for that. How, how is it in your life? Are, are you trusting him for your growth or are you taking responsibility for it? Are, are you cooperating or are you trying to initiate? You see, uh, it's an important question because when we learn how to cooperate and, instead of initiate, we, 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 we regain our freedom and we regain the power that we once experienced. Number two, the second question is, are you listening for God's voice in your life. Prior to today, you may have said, I didn't even know God wanted to speak. I didn't know he still spoke today. I thought that went out in Bible times. I didn't even know he was available. I thought it was presumptuous that the God of the universe would actually speak to me. I didn't even know he was available. Or you may be in a different spot today. You may be saying, you know, my problem is not that God isn't speaking. My problem is is that God is speaking. And I don't like what he's saying. And so, so I'm not listening because I don't like what he's saying. And, of course, as we've studied in previous weeks, that's a very dangerous thing because when, when God's speaking and we stop listening, then God eventually stops speaking until we're ready to listen again. So are, are you listening? And then number three, are you open to miracles? Are you open to miracles? I know there's a lot of weird things out there. We're not talking about being weird. I'm just saying, are you open to miracles? It's always been part of the movement of Jesus. And are you open to that? You know, it's funny to me that some of the people, some of the Christ followers are most adamant that the Bible is true, every word is true, that uh, the miracles in the Bible happen just like they said, that they're said, that th- those same people are the ones who are saying, but he doesn't do that anymore today. You know, it's as if God was spent uh, a long time building his resume and living off his reputation. Kind of ever since. And so, so the question is, are you open? If God wants to do the miraculous in your life, if he wants to use you to pray for someone and be healed, if God wants to give you a vision, if God wants to speak to you in some supernatural way, are you open to that? Are you open for him doing that here at our church? And again, like I said, I don't have a big agenda on this. We're not trying to create something. I just don't want to miss it. You know, like when Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, It says he could do no miracles there because of their lack of faith. I don't want to be the Nazareth, right? I don't want to be Nazareth. I don't want to, like, God wants to do things and we don't receive them just because we're not open. I just want to be open. So are you open? Are you open to your life of what God wants to do? Now, let's turn the lights down, close our eyes, let's take a trip to our future. Let's talk, what does it look like for us as a church to embrace this? What does our future look like? And I just want to throw out four words that came to me this week as I was kind of reflecting and praying on this. I think the, f- the first word that comes to my mind is the word freedom. I think that as you come to Rocky Peak in the future that there's going to be a church that's characterized by freedom. We're experiencing this new freedom in Christ because we've really trusted God for our our growth and not ourselves. And we're entering into a new level of relationship as a result. We're experiencing his power as a result that that there's a freedom here, that we are excited about the relationship because because God is leading, God is guiding. We're trusting him for that. I think a second word that comes to my mind is power, that as we trust him, we're going to begin to experience his power in new ways Uh, anger problems overcome, addictions overcome, old sin that we couldn't break on our own overcome, new passions, new priorities, new power in our life. I think a third word that comes is the word relationship. That as we begin to hear his voice, listen for his voice, God is going to begin to move, and God's going to begin to speak in new ways. We're going to have stories to tell, and we're going to have a new sense of real personal relationship. And the stories we're going to tell is, one person is going to be being woken up in the middle of the night to, to spend time with the Lord. Someone else, their Bible is coming alive in new ways. Someone else is going to have stories of what God said and what they did and what happened as a result. they will be stories of relationship. And then the last word is the word miracles. That whether they're few or many, that we're going to have more and more stories if we talked about today of God stepping in and doing only what God could do to put his mark on this movement, that he is here, he is well, he's alive, he's active, he's interacting in our midst, he's leading us, he's guiding us, he's changing us. And together as a church, we're going to experience exactly what the Apostle Paul said, the kingdom of God, this movement that we're about, it's not about words, it's not about theory, it's not just about teaching, it is about the power of God changing us, leading us, guiding us, doing only what God can do as he leads us in this movement.